Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Leighton Hewitt, and you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. Well, hello and welcome to The Tennis Podcast. It is Davis Cup by BNP Paribas weekend and Catherine Whittaker and myself come to you from the BNP Paribas headquarters in London where the tie between Great Britain against France, the draw has just been staged and Catherine Whittaker, quarterfinals time of the Davis Cup. It is so much fun to look forward to this and we have got something particularly special for you on this edition of the show because I've been invited into the British team room to speak to the entire team together we'll also hear from Gilles Simon but first of all Catherine Whitaker, Great Britain against France we've been waiting for this a while haven't we Wimbledon is now in the past and the Davis Cup by BNP Paribas is in our future yeah, it's amazing how quickly Wimbledon has has become a part of our past and everybody's past. I mean, today just felt like it was Wimbledon was uh, a mere memory. Certainly, seeing you know Jamie Murray as jolly as he was last time I saw him, he was in the press conference room following that doubles defeat, and uh, he was you know in a pretty sorry state mentally, obviously very upset. And then today to see the transformation is amazing, and I think that's probably what coming into a team environment can do for them. So it's really exciting. It, it as a Brit, it almost feels feels like a, a a bonus and an added privilege to be in a Davis Cup quarterfinal to have something like this to look forward to because throughout my childhood you know it was just great to see Great Britain play in uh, world group matches you know I've got so many memories of Tim Henman winning ties single-handedly to to keep us hanging in the world group so to be in this sort of position to be in with a chance uh, of of beating the French uh, to qualify for a a world group semi-final is extraordinary really when you think about it particularly extraordinary when you consider that you're about 15 years younger than I am and I don't even remember anything that was any good in the past either particularly although I'm just about old enough to remember the year that Paul Hutchins was telling us about on the tennis podcast a, a few weeks ago we're going back what 37 years to when Great Britain played in the final against the United States I was about five years old so my, my memories of that aren't particularly good but you're right these are halcyon days uh, if you are a British tennis fan and uh, anybody that follows the sport the way that we do now we are the tennis podcast brought to you in association with the telegraph we will be hearing from simon briggs over the next few days we are supported by bmp Paribas, and these are plush surroundings aren't they that we get to broadcast this from their headquarters and the draw that has come out pits well first of all the big talking point is the fact that richard gasquet semi-finalist at wimbledon 
is not one of the singles players on the French team. That gives an indication of just how many op options they have. Certainly not for the first round of singles. I would be surprised if we didn't see him in the second round of singles singles matches, personally. Uh, but he's going to play in the doubles with Nicolas Mahou. My, my, my guess would be that Mahou was asked who he might like to play with um, in the doubles, and uh, Gasquet was his preference. I mean, this is what you can do when you have the depth that the French team have. You can play, you know, musical tennis players um, and swap him out to play in the doubles, and then, depending on how, we've, how that doubles match goes, I wouldn't be surprised to see him in that final day. But, I mean, they've, they've gone with the rankings, haven't they? And, and to go against Songa on grass, yes, Gasquet reached the semifinals, but that would probably have been a controversial decision. It would have been controversial either way. I mean, when, when the teams walked in for the uh, <clears throat> for the draw just now, they they you know they walk in in uh, in order. In fact, it looked like they were in height order. The French team. I just, I mean, it did just hit me how strong that team is. There is no weakness there at all. I mean, yes, Nicolas Mahou has the least pedigree of them. He's won three grass court tournaments this year. He's been to the final of Queens. Yeah, I mean, it's just extraordinary. It really did hit me when they all walked in so um but then we've got a grand slam champion and they don't so uh sorry i shouldn't be talking as we and they gb have a grand slam champion and france don't don't so it's a really intriguing matchup i think certainly is and of course james ward had those remarkable performances against players ranked so much higher than him uh, against the united states over the last couple of years and we'll be hearing from james ward as part of our team chat very shortly here on the tennis podcast now we mentioned that lineup it starts with james ward up against the number one player in the french team gilles simon who obviously got to the semi-finals at queens is in great form on the grass then it's joe wilfred songer against britain's number one player andy murray the doubles pits james Amy Murray and Dom Inglot against Nicola Mahou and Richard Gasquet and then the reverse singles the next day. Of course, that doubles team can change as well, can't it? Well, I was going to point that out. I would say uh, if we're too love up... Britain. Britain, if GB, sorry, Team GB, uh, who I have no allegiance with whatsoever, despite my accent. If Team GB are too love up, uh, if they defy the rankings or if James Ward defies the rankings and that happens then it will be Murray and Inglot. And I think it's the preference for it to be Murray and Inglot. However, I think if it's one all, or certainly if it's two love to France, Andy Murray will team up with Jamie Murray. I think Andy Murray is very much on standby for that doubles. Yes, I think uh, there's probably some truth in that. Now, the semi-finals, if Britain or France, whoever comes through that, will face either Australia or Kazakhstan. That match is going to be played in Darwin, in Australia, on grass. And they had a particularly cool draw ceremony. Did you see any of that with Australia? What did they have? A crocodile picking up the names... <laughs> Glad I wasn't there. No crocodiles, no crocodiles on my jobs in future, please. Uh, yeah, I mean everything about that tie is sort of amazing, isn't it? They've built a grass court in a, in what I understand was until recently a car park in Darwin, the the most northerly um, sort of rural. Um, <laughs> 
rugged uh, destination in Australia. Uh, luckily, it's winter over there, so otherwise, if it was summer, the grass would just wither and die instantly. It's amazing the lengths they've gone to to create the uh, the right circumstances for that uh, Australian team, and also amazing that uh, the first two the singles players that have been picked at the moment are the two youngsters, Kyrgios and Kokonakis. It's really exciting. They're another team with great options, aren't they? They've got Sam Groth and Leighton Hewitt playing the doubles. They haven't even got Bernard Tomic because he's been suspended from the team. It's amazing, isn't it? Suddenly, my how the tables have turned. I mean, suddenly they've got all this depth, whereas a few years ago they had Leighton Hewitt plugging away desperately, as you know, I described Tim Henman doing throughout the uh, 90s and noughties, plugging away, keeping them hanging in the world group. So uh, it's nice to see Australia as a... Uh, as a strong force uh, in the Davis Cup again, I think. And uh, whether it's France or GB, assuming that Australia come through that, no disrespect to Kazakhstan, but you would expect Australia to come through that, that will be a cracking semi-final. Sure would. Kazakhstan certainly have some decent players in their own right. Mikhail Kukushkin, we remember how well he did against Andy Murray in the first round of Wimbledon, pushed him close there. The other quarterfinals, Argentina on indoor clay in Buenos Aires against Serbia, who are without Novak Djokovic, who's obviously exhausted after Wimbledon. But Serbia are a team that just have options themselves, don't they? And Argentina at the moment are going through a bit of a transitional period. Del Potro obviously injured, unable to play at the moment. So no overwhelming number one player for Argentina. I wonder whether Serbia might be able to cause a bit of a shock out there. They've obviously got a great doubles team as well with Nenad Zimanić in that team, but Viktor Trojicki has been in form recently. You never know with them. Yeah, I wouldn't rule them out of that. I certainly see uh, Argentina as the favourite, certainly with Leonardo Mayer. He's playing very well. Um, and I think they've put Del Bonis in as their second player. And uh, Serbia have gone for a Krajinovic and Trojicki. I, th- I would expect I am expecting Trojicki perhaps to win both. He's the form player of all of those on both teams. I'd expect Trojicki to win the two. I think. What you really? You think he beat the Argentinian team on clay in their backyard? That's a big ask, isn't it? You just, I think, yeah. I was thinking about this earlier, and I do. I am picking Trojicki to win both of those. Not by much. Um, and then it could come down to the doubles. And then, as you said, I mean, Serbia's doubles team is, is strong. So... Um, Argentina probably, uh, I was going into this, what, my my latest monologues, s- about to say that Argentina are the favourites, but given everything I've just predicted, I'm basically saying Serbia are the favourites, aren't I? So it's 50-50, I don't know. Exactly. Belgium-Canada is the other quarter-final. David Goffin, obviously the standout player for Belgium there, joined by Steve Darcy, who so remember beating Rafael Nadal at Wimbledon a couple of years ago. That one's played in Ostend in Belgium. Canada with Frank Dansevic, who's a very mercurial player on his day. He's dangerous, but they're going to miss Milos Raonic, aren't they? Out with a foot injury. It's a frankly devastating situation for Canada because uh, they've lost Milos Raonic. Uh, really upsetting for him, actually. You could tell he genuinely was uh, devastated to be missing this uh, this Canadian Davis Cup tie because, frankly, they would they, with a full team, they would have a very good shot at the Davis Cup this year. Um, and they're missing Vashet Pospisil as well. So, I mean, their, their team has been ravaged. Frankly, in uh, Belgium, must be just rubbing their hands together. Yes, they don't have a weak team. I mean, David Goffin is uh, top 15 in the world. However, last round they had a severely depleted Swiss team. Um, and you've still got to beat the players in front of you. But no doubt that was a, an easier tie than it could have been. And here they have a severely depleted Canadian team. So they must just be... R- 
licking their lips with the prospect of uh, how they could, frankly, quite easily find themselves in a Davis Cup semi-final. Well, what an achievement that would be for them. Now, Great Britain against France. I did tell you, didn't I? I got invited inside the Aegon Great Britain Davis Cup team room. Well, Leon, here we are. Finally, the moment has arrived, uh, ready for this tie. How does it feel to have this uh, group of gents uh, in front of you, ready to go into battle? Yeah, it's great. I mean, uh, they're a brilliant bunch of people. We got on brilliantly. Uh, they're all playing really well. Um, so as much as it's going to be a, a really difficult weekend, a tough challenge, um, we do have a chance. Um, and if everyone plays to their best, then we'll, we'll go in with uh, some possibilities, I think. Indeed, and Andy, you are the uh, the number one singles players in the in the draw here. If you go back to to when you were growing up watching Davis Cup, what what sort of stands out? Is there a tie that stands out that you remember watching when you were younger? Um, well, I mean, I used to watch watch quite a few of them on the TV, but I went along to watch um, the UK against uh, Sweden. Um, that was in the world group first round. Tim and Greg were playing, and they had uh, Tommy Johansson, Bjorkman, Enquist, and I'm not sure who the the, for, the fourth player was, but they had a great team. Um, and yeah, I went to watch that live uh, in the morning. We were playing um, matches against some Swedish juniors, and then in the afternoon we'd go along and and watch the tennis. And uh, we lost that that tie three two, but it was great great atmosphere, and that was uh, the first one I ever went along to. A great atmosphere. And James Ward, you are a man that has uh, played a couple of ties over the last couple of years in that atmosphere and, and had some amazing results. What is it about this sort of environment that, that suits you so well? Um, yeah, I just love the, the support and the fact that it's uh, completely different to the rest of the year. Um, sort of playing on your own. And um, yeah, the guys, we, we have a... Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs, so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. Great bit of banter all week long and it's um, bants. 
and it's um, it's great that everyone gets behind you and, and really fight for fight for the team rather than just yourself. Define bants. Uh, good chat. Good chat. Let's have some good chat with Jamie Murray, who's on the doubles team here. <laughs> and uh, ja Jamie, you you obviously had a, a big tie back in uh, in March time, and and how much. Are you looking forward to hopefully getting the nod and getting back out there again? Yeah, I think uh, me and Dom pretty fired up for that. Uh, I think we had a great experience the last time in Glasgow. Um, obviously, we didn't quite win, but we put on a bit of a show in the end. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was brilliant. I mean, the crowd are amazing. I'm sure they'll be great again on Saturday. And, uh, yeah, really looking forward to getting out there and playing again. And finally, last but not least, uh, Dominic Inglot, who... Uh, Remember your contribution in that tie, very, very close. I imagine you'd really like to come out and, uh, and go on better this time. Yeah, well, I mean, I want to serve some bombs for sure and uh, also would like to get a point up on the board personally. So, so, so uh, yeah, I'm going to be ready to go and I'm really pumped to, you know, play in this team and such a big tie and I think me and Jamie could do well and we, you know, got already one match under the belt or two in Nottingham. Well, let's call that one and a half actually, but, yeah, feels good. Math's not your strong point? Well, no, I mean, it, no, it is. It's just, it's well, obviously, 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 my band wasn't very good, was it? Because it was pretty pants match, so that's why, that's why I call it half a match. We'll, we'll let that go. Final word to Captain Leon Smith. Leon, how, how are you feeling ahead of this tie now? Just a day away. What, what are the keys behind the scenes for you and your your support team? Well, the thing is to make sure that the the players have a good few days. It's not it's not a huge amount getting done um, in terms of Andy and Jamie because they came in on on Tuesday, obviously resting after Wimbledon. But Dominic and James had a, had a few more extra days, so we've had guys like Colin Beecher and, and Nick Whale and Louis Kai working with them. And it's uh, we're very fortunate. We've got a really good support team from physios and doctors and everybody that just tries to get the players in the best possible. Uh, place come come tomorrow Friday um, and now it's a question of tonight we'll sit down and now that we know who they're playing and who's playing first we start making plans for tomorrow have a look at the matchups have a discussion with both Andy and, and James about how they're feeling about the matches and um, get as much focus on that as possible and then just uh, over them to, to do what they do best. Were you at all surprised by the selections made by France? Not overly no not overly because I mean, Gasquet obviously went very uh, far at Wimbledon making semis and you don't know how his body is, so like, they can mix around the team, I guess. And uh, with the 11, 12 and 13th in the world, they've got that ability to switch it around a little bit more. Um, but uh, it's two very good players, so it's still going to be the same challenge. Very best of luck to all of you. So there's the Great Britain team, all jolly ahead of the tyre, Catherine. And really... There is a great bond there, isn't there? You heard the, the, the laughter in the background all the way through those interviews that I was doing. They were all trying to catch each other's eye and, and put each other off their answers and, uh, and make fun of each other. That's what it's all about with that lot, isn't it? Yeah, that lot and so many other lots in other countries uh, in this tournament. It's a wonderful tonic, I think, the Davis Cup. These experiences for the players a tonic to some of the um, more negative aspects of, of tour life for the players. The loneliness, the isolation, the, the grind of it all. It, it, it must, I can only imagine, but it must feel just wonderful to, to come into the harmony and the... Um, the comfort of this environment, I, I would guess. So uh, it's really lovely, lovely to hear. And as I say, Jamie Murray is a different human being to just 
five days ago. It's amazing to think that it was just five days ago. So uh, it's music to the ears to hear players enjoying being where they are like that. It's fantastic. It's a testament as well to the job done by Leon Smith, isn't it? He has really fostered an amazing atmosphere within that team. I remember being at their first ever tie under Leon Smith in 2010 when Andy Murray at the time wasn't playing. He was basically saying, look, you're in Euro-African zone two, and if you lose, you're going down to zone three. How can I justify putting myself on the line physically, mentally, every time when there's so little to be gained in terms of advancement in the group? Get yourself out of those groups, and then I'll be able to, to, to come and join up again. And Leon Smith totally backed that viewpoint and that's exactly what they did. The teams of Jamie Baker and James Ward and Dan Evans got them through the, the various divisions. Andy Murray joined up, helped them into the world group, and here they are, guaranteed another world group next year as well, having won the first round, and who knows where this will end. It's like they've proved themselves wor word worthy of Andy Murray, isn't it? And uh, I, th I, I, do I don't question Andy Murray's decision on that front at all. I think all parties uh, did exactly the right thing, and, and the fact that they are here where they are is, is proof of that, I think. And uh, yeah, it's not a given that you have that fantastic team environment. Yes, it helps that all the players like one another and get on, but it's absolutely not a given. I mean, I've seen plenty of Davis Cup ties where, you know, the captain comes on to speak to the players on the court and you can tell it's not harmonious. It's not, they, you know, the player doesn't want to hear it or the captain's frankly annoyed with, with the player. And you never see that. You never see that in the GB team. And, and the French team seems similarly harmonious, frankly. So um, it's absolutely not not a given that has to be really fostered and yes they all get on but there's a lot they are all very different people with competing egos and all the rest of it it doesn't happen by accident and he's done a fantastic job Leon Smith it shouldn't be ignored Equally, we'll hear from Gilles Salman in a moment. You, you see Richard Gasquet and Nicolas Mahou and Joel Fritzonger and Anna Clement team boss wandering around and obviously Gilles as well. They've always seemed to have had a great atmosphere at the Davis Cup, the French team? Well, there's such a high respect for the Davis Cup amongst the French, isn't there? Possibly more so than any other country, with the possible exception now of Serbia, because I think what the Davis Cup did for, for Novak, Djokovic, Novak Djokovic's career can't be ignored by anybody. But I think in terms of the history and sort of an inbuilt reverment of the Davis Cup, the French take the biscuit. So I think they all feel genuinely lucky just to be here and be as a team. And there's something about the French, isn't there? They just don't seem to take life or whatever they're doing at that moment too seriously. They want it desperately and they're committed to it desperately, but they've always got a slight French smirk on their faces as well, which is just brilliant. <laughs> Absolutely. Now, they are going to be led out by their number one player tomorrow against James Ward at the Queen's Club. Let's hear from Gilles Simon. It feels good. Uh, I've been uh, successful on the, on the grass court season. I uh, won a lot of match. I'm okay physically, so uh, I'm really prepared for, for the match tomorrow. Uh, even though it's going to be difficult against Wardy, who played a great tennis also, and uh, with a, a Davis Cup atmosphere. How much are you looking forward to that final day tie against Andy Murray to play in front of the Queen's crowd where you've had good results as well? Well, I wanted to play him in the final in Queens already, but I couldn't make it. <laughs> I lost the semis before. Uh, well, I, I'm not thinking about this match uh, yet. It would be, uh, of course, uh, a great match and a great atmosphere and a great feeling to play against Sandy uh, in front of his crowd. But uh, we have a lot of match to go through before uh, that one. 
And uh, we never know, but we hope it could be over before. <laughs> That'd be nice for you, wouldn't it? Just give me an idea of what the Davis Cup means to, to, to yourself as a, as a French player. I imagine you've got memories growing up when you were getting interested in tennis of, of watching great teams from France in the past. Well, it's a really important competition for us. Uh, it was uh, the only time we could watch tennis on TV with the with the French Open when when we were kids, and uh, this is all the, the memories that uh, that we that we had. So it's always uh, a main objective, a main goal in the season. Uh, we always go for Davis Cup. I mean, it's uh, we, our commitment to the competition is just 100% every year, every time. Uh, we tried really hard to, to, to win it. Unfortunately, we lost twice in the final. So, you know, every year we, we hope that we're going to make it. And to do it this year, we have to go through uh, Great Britain in the quarterfinal. So Gilles Simon there talking about his Davis Cup memories, Catherine, from over the years. If, does anything stand out for yourself from watching over the years in terms of atmospheres and wonderful ties? I mean, there's so many. Where do you start? There are so many. I'm afraid. Sorry, Franz. I did, this isn't deliberate in a, in a pro-GB way, but the, the immediate memory that jumps out to me is the Russia-France Davis Cup final in 2002, I think it was, and that fifth rubber. It went down to the fifth rubber, and it was two total naïfs, you know, it's two totally inexperienced players. It was Mikhail Eugenie and Paul-Henri Mathieu. And uh, Paul-Henri Mathieu was two sets to love up and he lost it in five. And uh, that's probably slightly unfair because Mikhail Eugenie won it in five, but the chance was there. And poor chap, he was very young, but it almost feels like his career never recovered from that moment. It sort of defined him, which is a terrible shame, but uh, it was it was a career-defining moment for so many of the people involved. And, and even though they were so young, you sort of knew that at the time. I sort of had a sense of, wow, this is enormous for everybody involved. Um, so I'm afraid, sorry, France, <laughs> that is the one memory that jumps out for me. I've got so many, uh, including watching Switzerland against the United States in a, in a team in which Jim Courier and Andre Agassi were the singles players and Pete Sampras and John McEnroe with the doubles partnership against Switzerland. It was the most extraordinary atmosphere. John McEnroe still talks about it today, uh, about how him and Pete Sampras told each other they loved each other straight after winning the doubles rubber. John McEnroe at the time was going through his divorce to Tatum O'Neill. He said it was just a real moment in time that picked him up and, and there was a, a great moment where all four team members individually ran around the stadium carrying their, their United States Stars and Stripes flag. Just a wonderful sight that was. But actually, I'd probably go with my number one as, as a French memory on a positive note because... I remember Yannick Noah telling me about the day that he was trying to prepare France to play against the United States. And he, he, he realized we can only win this if we have Henri Leconte back. And Henri Leconte at the time was basically on his back, having had back surgery, and, and he couldn't move. He was, on, he was on all intents and purposes in a wheelchair. And he went and saw Henri Leconte, and he said, I need you, man. I need you in this team if we're going to win. And he said, I got commitment from Henri de Kant. And he said it was as, and he trained as if he could run through brick walls that, that few weeks ahead of it. And he got himself fit. He beat Pete Sampras, an extraordinary moment. And eventually, France won the Davis Cup. So that would probably be one of my favorites 
overall. Catherine, we've got the tie awaiting us. It's at the Queen's Club. It's, it's going to be exciting. I have absolutely no idea who's going to win, but we will look forward to every single moment of it. We'll be coming to you with a tennis podcast brought to you in association with The Telegraph every day over the next few days, and we'll be supported by the Davis Cup's title sponsor, BNP Paribas, and we'll speak to you tomorrow. 